Well, God bless you for being here today. This is a great day of the Lord, and it's a great day to be in the house of God. I was thinking as they sang that song, what Sister Linda Hill said Wednesday night to Peg and I, that Gabe is always singing. I mean, you know, we all ought to have a song. I remember Missy Moore, Sue's granddaughter, used to walk up and down that hall after all the time of whistling. Had a song in her heart. Mr. Young, where he worked, they called him Singing Frank because he always loved to sing and praise the Lord. He's worthy of all of our praise. We're going to share with you today, if you'll turn to the book of Galatians 1, chapter 11. I mean, chapter 1, verse 11 through 19. God bless the Lord today. I know you're praying for Peggy. She's down in the bed. She just can't hardly get up at all. So God bless her today, and God bless you. Amen. Give you a chance to get there. Galatians 1, verse 11. Okay. But I certify you, brethren, that my gospel was preached to me is not after man. All right, verse 12. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. This book is the voice of God. It's the holy word of God. The only way that it can be interpreted is by the Spirit of God. The author is the Spirit of God. And we're going to go through some of these scriptures today, and we'll come back to some of them. For we have heard, for you have heard of my conversion. For time past of the Jewish religion, that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. He wasted the church of God. His goal was to destroy the church of God. That was his goal, to make habit of it. Okay? And I profit in the Jewish religion above my many equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my father. He was holding on to tradition. But it, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, he called me by his grace. Everybody ought to say I was called by grace. I tell you, if we here today, we ought to be thankful, singing in our hearts that God has called us under this marvelous truth. There is nothing so blessed, the grace of God has appeared to all men. Has appeared to all men. Okay? Verse 16. To reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathens, meaning Gentiles. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither I went up to Jerusalem 
to them which were apostles before me, but I went into the Arabian, you might add the word desert there, and in verse 18, and after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and bode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none, say James, the Lord's brother. Paul's authority of a divine origin. When God calls us, he gives us a divine origin. He gives us the authority. And here in Paul's life, it's what he done. He said, the gospel which was preached of me was not after man. He said, neither I was taught of man. I didn't receive it from man, and I will not teach what man says. He was going to teach only the revelation. And notice verse 12 again. I neither received it of a man, neither was I taught, but the revelation of Jesus Christ. God's intent is to give everyone a revelation of who he is. You might know about him, but you need to know him. You may have heard of him, but I'm going to ask you, do you know him? Paul said, after received up in the third heaven and seeing things he was forbidden to write, he cried out, I want to know him. I don't want to just hear about him. I want to know him, and I want to have fellowship with him. And that was his goal. And when he was knocked down on a road to Damascus and blinded for three days, Jesus asked this question, Paul, or his name was Saul then, why are you persecuting me? He never asked him why are you persecuting the church. He never said, you're making havoc in my church, you're wasting my church. He said, why are you persecuting me? If I do you wrong, I'm done him wrong. And that's what Jesus is telling him. The church is my body. And if you offend my body, you're offending me. So Paul was offending the church, so he's offending who? Jesus Christ. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been saved by Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will send thee the spirit of truth, and he will teach you all things. The only one can really teach us is the spirit of of truth. And who is the spirit of truth? Don't answer that. It's the Holy Ghost. He is the spirit that will teach you and lead you and guide you into all truth. Who is Jesus Christ? And you shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? Set you free. Jesus said when the spirit comes, Brother Melvin, he will teach you all about me, meaning Jesus, he will, the Holy Ghost never talks about himself in the four Gospels. He never mentions anything about himself. It's always about the one that had sent him. Jesus sent him, and the Holy Ghost is here. Some people say, I wish I could have lived when Jesus lived. You're living in a better day now because if you were the Gentile, you couldn't have had this and Jesus lived. But thank God that 
he's revealed the truth to all of us. Regardless of who we are, he's given us the truth. He said, the spirit of truth will do what? Set you free. And whom the Lord is set free is free indeed. You'll shout hallelujah. I'm telling you, when the spirit of God comes in your life and begins to teach you, I believe Ken mentioned a class one time that said to Rhonda Mollum, said, I really didn't know how to love Brother Don. said, I thought I loved him until I got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will teach you how to love. You may have disagreements. The early church had disagreements. But they knew how to love one another. They knew how to forgive. They knew how to carry on the gospel for Jesus Christ. 1 John 3, I mean 1 John 2, 20. But you have an anointing of the Spirit from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, we say we don't know all things, but if we're walking in the Spirit like God intends us to do, John says you have the Holy One inside you, and you will know all things. Did Jesus know all things? Yes, he did. Only one thing he didn't know when they asked him when the coming of the time is gone, he said, only my Father in heaven knows that. And he might know it now since he got resurrected into heaven. But no man knows when Jesus is coming back. There's a book written seven many years ago. It swarmed this nation and shook this nation, shook the Christianity. I don't know why it shook them, because the Bible said only God knows when he's coming back. No man can write a book, 88 Reasons Why God's Coming. He, he didn't come. I don't know when he's coming. Do you know when he's coming? No. But I'm going to read that again. But you have anointing of the Spirit, John says, and John is the John beloved from the Holy One, and you know all things. It is God's plan for every person to know Jesus Christ. How many are glad you know him? You just don't know of him, but you know him. You on first name basis with him. You have fellowship with him. He communes with you and you commune with him. Amen. You can talk with him. How many talk with the Lord on a daily basis? How many just sit down for a little while and just meditate upon him and tell him how much you just love him, how much you appreciate him, and not what he has done. That's good, but we need to learn to say what he is doing today. How many believe he's doing something good today? He's not planning on doing something good tomorrow. He's doing something good today. Tomorrow, not here. Praise God. Verse 27 of that same chapter. The anointing means the Spirit, which you have received from Him, remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, for as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is truth, and is no lie, and just as he has taught you, remain you in him. Now, he's not saying we don't need to have teachers. He's saying that we cannot teach without the Spirit of God leading and guiding us. We must have the Spirit in our lives to teach the Spirit and what God has for our life. And it's God's good pleasure to give us what? The kingdom of God. I want you to know this morning, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, it's God's good pleasure to give you the Spirit. He takes great pleasure in giving gifts. 
to you and I and the blessings of God. So we find in 1 John 4, 13 said, We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. His spirit. How many is glad he gave you his spirit? He didn't give you another spirit. He gave you his spirit. What is the spirit of Christ? It's the same spirit that raised him out of the grave. Jesus said, you destroy this body, I will pick it up again in how many days? They couldn't understand that. But when he came out of that grave, the same spirit that brought him out of the grave lives where? In us. When you pray, as in heaven, shall be where? Where is the kingdom of heaven? In us. So we have the kingdom of heaven in us as we pray. And he goes on in verse 17, says, because as he is, so we are in this world. Because the Spirit's in this world, so we're in this world. How many expecting to get up this morning? I'm going to come back to this in a minute. How many of you get up this morning expecting something good to happen? I, I tell you, every morning we ought to get up expecting something good to happen. When you get up in the morning, you should not say, Oh, good Lord, it's Monday morning. You ought to get up and say, Good morning, Holy Ghost. What kind of day are we going to have today? How many of you going to have a good day with the Lord if you look unto him to give you a good day? Verse 13 and 16, we're going to read that again in, uh, in the book of Galatians, if you would. Verse 13 and 16. Let me find my place. For you have heard of my conversion in time past of the Jews' religion, how beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and I wasted it. And I profited in the Jewish religion, many my equal to my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers. But it, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, mm -mm -mm, and called me by what? Grace. All right, verse 16. To reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, meaning Gentiles, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Immediately, he said, I did not confer with flesh and blood. Jesus told Peter that flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. When Jesus said, Thou art the Son of the living God, Jesus said, Flesh and blood did not reveal. Flesh and blood cannot reveal this scripture. Flesh and blood cannot reveal Christ to us. It takes the Spirit of God to give us a revelation of who He is. He said, The Spirit will give you revelation. In verse 13, Paul said, How the beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and I wasted it. Paul said, I was the chiefest of all sinners. I'm not even worthy to be a Christian. I'm not even worthy to be an apostle because what I've done for the church. We ought to be thankful when we're born again, our past is gone forever. If we think about our past, you ought to do like Cora Tim Boone says, if God has given you, forgiven you, he put up the sign in your life, no fishing. If God doesn't remember, why do we remember it? What your past is what? 
Come on, help me out. What is your past? It is past to never be remembered against you again. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you of all your sins and made you white as snow. How blessed we are to know Jesus and these wonderful things of God. And Paul said that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and I wasted it. Saul's mission when he was knocked down on the road to Damascus would destroy the church of the living God. How I many of you know the devil hadn't changed? What's his goal today? To use people to destroy the church. But he's not going to be able to. The church is growing, and the church is going to continue to grow until Jesus comes back. Saul was the chiefest of all sinners. Verse 14 said, And prophet in the Jewish religion above many of my equals, in my own nation, being exceedingly zealous of the tradition of my father. He was zealous. He was taught and set at the feet of Gamaliel, the greatest teacher of all Jewish time was Gamaliel. He's the one that told them, said when they were going to put Paul, I mean, Peter and them to death, he said, if these men be of God, you're going to find yourself fighting against God. But if these men not be of God, it's going to come to pass. Can I be bold this morning? Don't worry about what people are doing. It will come to no end. That's what Gamaliel said. But if it's of God, you better be careful because you'll find yourself fighting against God and not the individual. So, he said, I did not confer with flesh and blood. He did not go to the master teacher, Gamaliel. He did not go, Brother James, and ask him. He was the master teacher of the Jewish nation. That's where Paul got his education, Brother Melvin, sitting at the feet of Gamaliel and being taught. But he did not go to Gamaliel. He said, I did not go inquire of flesh and blood. He did not go to Jerusalem to talk to Peter, who had the keys to the kingdom of God. He did not go up there and talk to him, who the, Paul said that he was one of the chief apostles of the church. And not only that, he said he was one of the pillars of the church, but he did not go up there and confer with them what he had received. He went into the Arabian desert, for three years. If we're going to hear from God, we must spend time silencing ourselves and with the world shut out. Have you ever noticed in the Old Testament how many of the prophets spent time were in a cave, shut out from the world? We must take time to spend time meditating on God. That's when you'll get some revelation from God. We cannot get revelation from God in this busy, hurry world. Someone told me the other day, said, I watch that news. It makes me so nervous. I said, why would you do that? You know, God wants everybody to get along in your closet and do what? And that don't mean getting in a room. That means to shut out the world. Shut out all things where you can hear from God. So Paul, Paul did not go to talk to any of these men. He went to the Arabian desert, and there he was for three years. 
The word three there means resurrection, divine completeness, and perfection. You know, when he came back from the Arabian Desert for three years, being all alone, he was a different person, wasn't he? I mean, you know, Moses was a different person. He tried to deliver Israel by his own force. He killed an Egyptian because he wanted to do it with the flesh and blood. So he had to go into the desert for how long? Sometimes we go through crises in our lives. And sometimes it's the trying of our faith. Sometimes it's seeing how stable we are. It didn't take God no 40 years to transform Moses, but it took Moses 40 years to learn to be the meekest man on the face of the earth. I don't know about you, but I believe if you're spending 40 years on the backside of the desert where you didn't hardly see anybody, you would learn what? Meekness. He was the meekest man that ever lived. So Paul didn't go to see these men. He went into the desert with a resurrection, divine completeness, and perfection. He didn't confer with flesh and blood. He heard from God. How many believe that we need to hear from God for ourselves? There's some things that you can be taught from me, and some things you can be taught by the Sunday school teachers, but you need to hear from God for yourself. I remember when Brother Keller, we weren't there when he first came to Atlanta, but he said this. He said, some preachers say, well, I had the feeling to come. He said, I didn't have no feeling to come. I told him I had to have more than a feeling. I'm at that place in my life. I've got to have more than just a feeling. I need to hear the voice of God. I need to feel the presence of God. Paul was intended to hear the voice of God, what he was about to do. Now, he did go up to Jerusalem after three years to see Peter. He didn't go see Peter asking for advice. He didn't go seeding Peter to give him any information. He went up for one thing and one thing alone. What he received of God in the wilderness for three years, was it what God taught them that walked with them three years? Was they, How many believe we need to be on the same page? He wanted to make sure that what the revelation that he'd got in the desert from Christ and Christ alone is the same revelation that Christ had given to Peter, James, and John, and the other nine disciples. And the only other person he saw was Jesus' half-brother for those things. God can transform anybody. I don't care how mean and how ugly they are, how far in sin they are. He has the power to transform them. Paul's authority of divine origin. How many of you ever heard of George Mueller? I just want to mention him a little bit. He was a teenager. He wild, drank, and gambled. The night his mother died, lay dying, they told him, but he stayed at the tavern drinking and playing cards. Never went to see her because he was so addicted by that. But God got a hold of his heart one day. You ought to shout hallelujah when God got a hold of your heart. You ought to be thankful that God got a hold of your heart. If it's not for the grace of God, there go I. I mentioned someone the other day. I said, well, 
If you walk a mile in their shoes, you might have a different attitude toward them and what they have. But that's the kind of person he was, wild. But God got a hold of his heart one day. He built an orphanage. If you see the pictures of them and read the stories of them, it's hard to believe what he accomplished. But not one time in his life did he ever let any man or woman, anybody know that he needed anything from God. He did not let them know that he needed finances or anything. He'd always go to prayer and ask God or tell God, now this is what I need and what would God do? If we would learn, the Bible said, as long as they sought God in the days of Zechariah, Zechariah was the priest that knew God, everything they touched done what? We ask for prayer when we're going on vacation. Is that right? Hello? When we're going on a trip, hello? When we get up in the mornings, we crank that thing up and drive down Brookshire's and drive here and drive to Texas County and never even think about asking God protect us i'm trying to learn and then i mentioned i think brother don brother keith somebody said this not too long ago if we would learn to ask god about everything we do before we do it we'd see something different happening in our life not one time that he ever asked anybody or let anybody know that he had a need he'd tell god he worked raised orphans and he died at 93. It eventually just wore him out. But what he did for the kingdom of God. Then we have a man named William Wilberforce. He was a slave trader. He was in the parliament in England. He'd gather slaves and transport them to America and other parts of the country, the world. But one day, Jesus got a hold of his heart. Then we used to sing a song, Jesus got a hold of my heart, and he won't turn me loose. I thought about the song they sang this morning. I don't know who picked that, Brother Don, whoever, but I believe it was the hand of God. Grace. Paul was called by grace. George Mueller was called by grace. William Wilberforce, one day, as he was transporting slaves, Christ appeared unto him. You know, Christ can appear to you. You may not see him physically, but he can appear in your spirit, and you know that it's Christ. Changed his life. He convinced the Parliament of England how wrong and how evil and how corrupt it was to gather slaves and transport them. He was the forerunner. to get the stop of slavery because God got a hold of his heart. I mean, when God gets a hold of your heart, you don't need no sticker saying that God's got a hold of your heart. The early church, the people could tell they'd been with Christ because God had got a hold of their hearts. Sometimes people might look at us and I remember when Brother Melvin got the Holy Ghost. I believe Ricky A. had had the spirit of discernment. I believe he had that. He told Brother Melvin, Brother Melvin been trying to get the Holy Ghost. He said, I believe it was that if you, I'll fast for you three days. Next time you come to church, you'll get what? 
get the Holy Ghost. They fasted three days. Next time we came to church, what happened? The Holy Ghost fell on them. God wants to change lives. He's in the life-changing business. Some of the people that knew Brother Melvin told me, well, he done went up at that church and got the Holy Ghost. They knew I'd come up here and got it. He said, it won't last. It won't be long. He'll be right back out there. How many years ago has that been? Mine's been since 1961, I think, and I'm still here. How many glad you're still here? How many glad through the trials and the troubles and the persecution that you've been through, you're still here? The Bible said for your fruit to remain. God, God wants to see things to remain, and he has the ability to help us to remain. He's still here. He's still here. By the grace of God, we are what we are, and not anything we've done. It's what the grace of God has done in our lives. We're going to ask them here in a few minutes to come up. And uh, in the book of Revelation, it said, Anoint your eyes with eye salve. That means spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. I may believe that God wants you to see the fullness that God had for your life. And I want to encourage you people who've got children and start speaking to them and get your eyes anointed where you can see them coming home. You can see them. Hmm. The father of the prodigal son was out in the field. What was he doing? One was in the field. He was watching for the son to come home. Why was Isaac out in the field before the servant had got back with his wife, Rebecca? He was expecting something to happen. We must wake up every day expecting something to happen, expecting something to come in our lives, expecting something good to happen in our lives. I want you to be encouraged to receive every promise that God's got. Let me read you some scriptures here just a minute before we come and pray. Something that David said. He said, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of thy law. Psalms 1, 19 and 18. Elisha's servant said, what are we going to do when camped about with such a great army? What are we, we're confused compassed about with such crime and evil. And they asked Jesus, what is the signs of the coming when you come back? He said, when you see the fig tree blooming in the budding, he's talking about the Jewish nation. When you see them coming back. In Israel today, they're cutting alpha, alpha, hay every 28 days. What, what's that the sign of? Somebody help me out. What's that the sign of? Israel is coming back. She's coming back. Sid Roth has a program called Supernatural. He's a Jew, received the Holy Ghost. And then he talks about Gog, which represents Russia. Russia is going to play a major part before the Lord comes back. But thank God we're in the sheltering arms of the Almighty God.
we have a need of a heavenly vision. How many would think that you need a vision of a heavenly vision? You need to have some dreams of the things of God. In the last days, you find this also in a Jeremiah. He said, I will restore unto you everything your enemy has stolen from you. The book of Joel says, I will restore everything back to you. And God wants us. Proverbs 29, 18. Where is there is no vision, people do what? When there's not a vision. In other words, when you don't have a picture of what can happen wonderful in your life, devastation, destruction. And not only vision means dreams. In the last days, old men should what? I'm old and I'm proud of it. I'm glad of every age that year I got on me. It doesn't bother me one bit. But you young people should do what? Huh? Now this is the Word of God. I'm giving you the Word of God. You should prophesy. Well, the Lord hadn't put that on me yet. Are you asking? Are you expecting it? He's promised. Well, don't be like some people tell me, well, if he wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. That ain't, that ain't the way it works. You've got to ask. You have not because you what? You're not expecting it. You have to expect it. Somebody told me just this week, said, well, you know, God don't heal everybody. I don't find that in there. I don't find that nowhere in there. All I find in the four Gospels, everybody came to him, he what? He healed them. I find in the book of Acts, everybody came to him. He did what? Some said, well, it's been done away. If it's been done away with, then salvation's been done away with. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God has the authority that never ends. He's never respected a person. He's always blessing. Always blessing us. It's hard for me to preach like this this morning when Peggy's home in the bed and can't even hardly get up. But we did not receive it from God. We received, I mean, from man, and we need to be taught of man. We have to receive from the Spirit, and we have to teach what the Spirit gives us. And He'll never lead us astray. And it goes on to say in 1 Samuel 3 and 1, in those days there was no what? Anybody knows your scripture? There was no what? Open vision. And what kind of problem they had in those days because there was no revelation and there was no open vision. There was no picture or vision of things getting better and the wonderful things of God. And it also means revelation, dreams. So I'm going to ask you this morning as the praise, they come down to pray. I confirmed this with Sister Sue this morning. You know, I have to confirm things sometimes. My mind don't reach back and get it. Like a guy said, it's up there, but it'll come around here in a minute, and I'll get it. And I had to ask Sister Sue something this morning. I did remember when, uh, after the one of the Christmas program, my brother Clyde and them left the church, and they come by up here, and he looked at Sue and said, Sue, I've been thinking about giving this 
acreage here to the church. And I asked her, I said, I think he had a vision. She said, well, I don't know, but he'd been thinking about it. How many know every good and perfect gift come down from where? From the Father of light. And in 1970-something, Sister Sue used to be a little white house set out here, and she was in that white house, and she looked out crying and praying. She said, I didn't know nothing about prophecy then, but I felt like I prophesied. That was in the 1970s that I'm going to see something wonderful sitting out there one day. That's why this land is here. Brother Clyde felt like he ought to give it. That's why the church is here. That's the plans and the drawing of this church. From Steve Upham in Houston saw before it was ever on these pages. When you see a vision and start practicing it, he put it on that right there. We purchased those plans from him, and that's why you see this. You know, a, a seed, that would, that it's got to start in your mind. Faith has to start in your mind. You've got to believe and expect something to happen. Are you expecting something this morning? Did you get up this morning expecting something to happen? I'm going to ask you this morning, maybe you need to get your eyes anointed where you can see. Elisha asked the Lord, said, open my servant's eyes where he can see what's around us. How many know that all around you are angels this morning? They're all, you may not see them and feel them, but I guarantee you they're angels around you. You need to see there's help in your crisis. There's more for us than what's against us. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Paul said, I did not confirm with flesh and blood. Peggy doctors, especially one of them tells her, we can't heal you. All we can do is treat your symptoms. But I want you to know there's one can heal any problem you got, any financial problems you got, any problem in the world. You can have a divine revelation with God and have your eyes anointed where you can start seeing some things. I want you to see your children blessed beyond measure. Could I have an amen? I want you to see your grandchildren blessed beyond measure. I want you to see it and speak it. Expect it to happen. Your flesh says I'm not going to get no better. Your condition says it's not going to get no better. But God says I will make it better. I will restore all. Amen. David comes to Ziglag when he's out fighting his enemies. Ziglag was all in ashes. Everything was gone. The men picking up stones and stoning him. He got a lentil ethob and put it on. He entreated God. said, God, what would you want me to do? God said, pursue. You will recover all. When he got ready to bring the ark home, 
meaning the presence of God, the anointing of God, hadn't been in Israel's camp since some Eli's time. Saul became king. He had no desire to bring the anointing home. He had no desire to bring the supernatural blessings of God home. But I want you to notice something David did. He put the little ethob on and asked God, should he go? And God says, yes. But this time, he saw 32,000 men, noblemen, and priests how to bring the ark home. And it was a disaster. Paul said, I will not confer with flesh and blood. David conferred with God when he had the evil eye on. But now he's conferring with flesh and blood, and it's a disaster. He got mad at God. He got angry with God. He sought God. Somebody ought to say, by grace of God, I'm what I am. Grace of God, when he sought God this next time, he sought him of due order. He didn't seek man as vice. He didn't go to flesh and blood. He sought God by due order. And God told him how to do it. And they danced and they shouted. They drank wine and they were just so happy because God made it work out. So Brother Don's going to come and take charge. And, and I would encourage him, get your eyes anointed where you can see, where you can expect something and look for God to do something that you receive all the promises that God has for you. God bless you for being here. God bless you.